Erev Tov, good evening. We are continuing the Hagdama, the introduction of the Rambam in the Mishneh Torah. Last week we discussed all of the mitzvot being given to Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai with a commentary. Went through a number of footnotes there. Today we're going to be continuing that thought. We also discussed uh, last week Rabbeinu Saadia Gaon, the importance of messengers, divine messengers, clarifying boundaries, parameters of the oral laws so that we know what to do with it. Even though we may objectively know to do certain things, we still need guidance in how to execute those mitzvot properly. We're now on page Lamed Vav of the Hagdama. So if you want to find Lamed Vav on the top right of the page, in section Bet. So I'll review quickly from last week. So, I'm, I'm back on the first page. All of the mitzvot which were given to Moshe Rabbeinu on Mount Sinai were given with their pirush, with their commentary. So we have a Torah, which is a written Torah, and a mitzvah, which is the oral law, and we are commanded to observe the written law by way of the oral law. And this mitzvah, that is what is called Torah the oral law. Bet, that's what we're up to today. Page Laman Vav. Kol HaTorah Kitava Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the whole entire Torah. Kodem Shiamut, before he died. Bikhtav Yadon. In his handwriting. Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the entire Torah before he died. In his own writing. Venatan Sever Torah Lechol Shevet Veshevet. Then he gave a Torah scroll. To each tribe and tribe. And he put one book, one of the Sifrei Torah, in the Aaron and the Ark, as an Ed, as a testimony. Take this Sefer Torah. You should put it in the Ark of the Covenant of Hashem, and it will be for you an Ed. That's in Devarim 31.26. What's going on here? Moshe Rabbeinu writing Torah is another handwriting. Let's look at footnote uh, Zayin of Rabbi Yosef Kapach. So on the bottom right of the page, you'll see a Zayin. V'katav Rabbeinu. This acronym stands for Katav Rabbeinu. The Rambam writes, Be'akdamato the Mishnah, in the introduction to the Mishnah, he's quoting now from the Rambam. V'lifne moto, before Moshe Rabbeinu's death, nit'asek b'ktiva, he was involved in writing. V'katav shadosha asar zivre Torah, kulam givinim. He wrote 13 Torah scrolls, and all of them were written on Gvil. If you recall, once in a Monday class, we spoke about the different types of parchment to which the Torah can be written on. And a reminder that according to the Rambam, the Torah must be written on Gvil, which is not the thin interior parchment like we use today. But Gvil is the original uh, parchment, which is pretty much a... I don't know how to describe it too, aside from it's, it's like leather. Imagine writing on leather. Some of you may have seen a Gvil Sefer Torah, especially if you, uh, for example, have seen Yemenite Sefer Torah or some other old Sephardic Ando that still wrote that way. We once had a, not an hour kila, but we once had a, a Sefer Torah written on Gvil here in San Diego. It used to go around as well. So Moshe Rabbeinu, before he died, wrote 13 Sefer Torah. Min bet bereshit ad lamed Yisrael. From the first word of Bereshit, Bet, until the last word of the Chamisha Chumshet Torah, which is Lamed. Le'ne kol Yisrael. 
ונתן ספר לכל שבט שהתנהג על פיו. And he gave this book to each tribe. So he wrote 13, 12 tribes. Each one of the 12 tribes received one Sefer Torah. Veshloshasar, in the 13th one, Netano l'leviim, he gave to the leviim, ve'amar lehem and he told them, Lakoach et Sefer Torah ze, take this Sefer Torah. Umakor advarim, and the source of this teaching, Bedvarim Rabbah Sedra Vailech, in the book of Dvarim Rabbah, the Midrash, on Parashat Vailech. Rabbanan Amred, Rabbanan say, since Moshe Rabbeinu knew that he was going to die that day, what did he do? says, We're in the left column now. He wrote 13 Torah scrolls. Isn't it that today we would probably say 13 Sifrei Torah, whereas here the Midrash says Sifrei Torah. 12 Sifrei Torah for 12 tribes. ואחד, and one of them, הניח בארון, he left in the ark. ועיין גם ילקוט שמעוני שם, go look at the ילקוט שמעוני there. וגם בפסיקתה, look in the boober edition of the פסיקתה, עשר רבי יוסף קפח, over there on page 197. ומה שכתב רבנו כאן, and that was שרבנו the Rambam wrote here, נתנו בארון לעד, they put it, he put it in the ark as a testimony. ופירוש המשניות נתנו לדביעים, but in his commentary on the משנה, he writes that משה רבנו gave the Torah to the לדביעים, כתב עבודת המלך, we had already recorded the עבודת המלך last week. דשתי הנוסחאות יתנו בפסיקתא, דרבי כהנא. Both of these versions that he put it either in the ark or put it by the לוויים, both exist in the פסיקתא. בפרשת וזאת ברכה, איתה ואחד השב דבי, שאם בקש, and there, in פרשת זאת ברכה, it says, he gave one of the סברי תורה to the tribe of לוי. Why? שאם בקש אחד מן השבטים לעקור דבר אחד מן התורה, because if one of the tribes wish to uproot something from the Torah, the tribe of Levi would come, would take out his Sefer Torah, and he would come and fix the Torah from his Torah scroll. And the other Midrashim have it, like, Moshe, like uh, the Rambam writes here. But it's an interesting idea. The Levi'im are the teachers of the Jewish people. We know the Levi'im don't have a chilek v'nachala, they don't have a portion in the land of Israel. Precisely because it's their job, as the Rambam writes, it's their job to go fight the wars of Hashem. Meaning, the Levi'im are on-call educators. They travel throughout the land of Israel. Some serve in Yerushalayim, some serve in different cities. They live in Arei Miklat, in the cities of refuge, rehabilitating criminals. The Leviim are busy teaching the Jewish people. And if the Leviim are going to see that one of the tribes and one of the places begins to, to send their hand against the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, they begin to edit, they begin to alter the Torah, the job of the Leviim say, we have an untouched Torah. This untouched Torah will be the standard for the rest of the Jewish people. And that which the Rambam writes in the, comment, the direction of the Mishnah, that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote from the first bet of Bereshit until the last lament of the... On page 15a in Masechet Baba Batra, there's an argument. Who wrote the last eight verses of the Torah? How you know the last eight verses of the Torah talk about uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's death? So Moshe Rabbeinu wrote about his own death? Could it be that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote until the last eight verses and perhaps Yoshua continues writing the rest? 
In Bava Batra, there's an argument. I recommend you looking up the Gemara if you like. Did Rabbi Yoshua, according to Rabbi Yoshua, Yehoshua Katvan, Yehoshua was the one who wrote those last eight psukim. Amar lo Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Efshar Sefer Torah chaser ot echad? Could it be that the Sefer Torah was missing one letter? Uchtiv, and it says, Lakoach at Sefer Torah, take the Sefer Torah? Ayin Sham, look there. Could it be that according to you, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't complete the Sefer Torah? And when he told the tribe, take the Sefer Torah from me, you think when he said, take the Sefer Torah, he, he's referring to an incomplete Torah scroll? Rather, must be, says the Gemara over there, that Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who wrote the last eight Pesukim, and he was crying while he wrote this Pesukim. How it's talking about his own death. He knew that. The words of Rabbeinu Arambam are like Rabbi Shimon. If you look in the Rambam, in chapter 13 of Laws of Prayer, it seems that... Uh, he writes a similar idea there, meaning that he believes this to be true, that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the last eight Pesukim of the Torah as well. The Kirat Melech, if I'm not mistaken, again, we said that was Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky, has an insight as to why the Rambam was compelled to rule like Rabbi Shimon, but it's not for right now. Let's look at the next part of the Rambam. If you go back to the top of the page, Gimel, the HaMitzvah. What is the Mitzvah? The mitzvah is the commentary on the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu did not write it down. Rather, he commanded it to Yoshua, to the elders, to Yoshua, and to the rest of Israel. It says over there that Moshe Rabbeinu says, All the things that I commanded you, you must do. And that's why it's called Torah Shavarpeh. It's an oral law. Because this is the part of the Torah which was not written. Now I'm sure that you all know so far what it is that we've discussed. But it's important when you begin to learn to define your terms. What is mitzvah? What is Torah? What is Torah Shabikhtav? A written Torah? What is Torah Shabarpeh? If you look in footnote Chet, in the left column. Look again in the book Avodat HaMelech. He, he wants to give sources for where the Rambam got this from. And he says, the Gemara says, things that I told you orally, you are not allowed to recite them over in writing. There is a law, and the law says that if I taught you these things orally, they're not allowed to be write, written down. And because of that, our Chachamim did not write down the Orwa until what we're going to discuss later in the introduction. It's an interesting thing, oral discussions. I once saw a court case of a non-Jewish judge here in the United States of America. And this judge said, well, why didn't you two have a contract between you? And the person told the judge, well, he was my best friend. Why should I have a contract? And the judge said, it's because it's your best friend, that's why you should have a contract. People you don't care to lose, you can make all kinds of business deals with them. It doesn't work out well, you stop talking to them, you never look at them again, who cares? But if you're working with your friend, with your family, you want to make sure that everything is very clear. That everything is written down, everything is in order. It's the opposite of what you might think. Because you want to maintain that friendship, 
You have to make sure everything is written down. Things that are dvarim shabal peh. It's also important to know that not everything needs to be written down. There are times where somebody will ask you for an opinion. In the world today, where everything is recorded and everything is documented and everything will be used against you one day in the future, it's very important to know that certain things, certain things you don't have to say ever. But even the things you feel compelled to say for whatever reason, you have to weigh your words. You have to decide, is it something that I want to write about? Is it something I want to speak about? Is it something I'm willing to let myself be recorded about? Ever since we started recording the shiurim here, those of you who are part of the Bet Milash here know, there are times we say we're turning off the camera. We can talk about it, we can even talk about it in public. But we can't talk about it in a format that's not fair, not safe to discuss with the rest of the world. It would do people, especially in this day and age, it would do them a lot of good to know that not everything they think they have to write. Even if they're right. They don't have to say it. They want to say it, they don't have to write it. I once called to Chacham to ask him a question. I said, I'll send you an email. I said, don't send me an email. This is Torah Shabbat Peh. This is the oral law. It's not the kind of thing we discuss over emails. It was a Chacham. It was a Pikach. had a good head. And that which he wrote to the elders and to Yoshua, if you look there in Eruvin on page 54, the Gemara has an interesting conversation about how Kadosh Baruch taught Moshe the Torah and how Moshe taught the Aaron the Torah and the elders the Torah. They moved aside for each other and they sat there. And that which he wrote for the rest of the Jewish people. When it says, these are the things that I, I command you, I will command you, these are the details of the mitzvot which were given to us by Kabbalah, by tradition. Like slaughter. Nikul, as we discussed earlier in one of our other classes. Nikul is the removal of the forbidden nerves and fat inside of an animal's backside, so you'll be able to eat it. These mitzvot were received in tradition for the Jewish people. Dalit on top. Even though the Torah Shabbat Peh was not written, Moshe Rabbeinu taught this Torah Shabbat Peh, all of it in its entirety, to his Bedin of 70 elders. And Yehoshua, all of them received the Kabbalah from Moshe Rabbeinu. Tet, look at footnote Tet, on the bottom left. Katav Avodat HaMelech, Avodat HaMelech writes, Ve'elazar, besifri matot, ve'yomer Elazar HaKohen, Moshe natan rashut Elazar daber, that Elazar spoke. Why? Moshe gave permission to Elazar to speak. Why? Shekshenifter min haolam lo yu omrim bechayera bechah lo itam daber. Achshav atam daber. They, he didn't want that it should happen when he dies. The people should tell Elazar, oh, your whole life your rabbi was alive, you didn't say a word. Now that he died, you're finally talking. By the way, this, this idea here is very important. I'm studying with my wife now, Sefer Yoshua. And in Sefer Yoshua, you see that this transition, the transition of the leadership in the Jewish people, the fear of becoming a new leader, taking over for someone great, 
the job, the role that that leader has in making sure that the people will accept his successor. The role the people have in reassuring the new leader that they are loyal to him like they are loyal to the first leader. It's a, it's a fascinating lesson in transition of leadership. The presidents of the world, the kings of the world, the governments of the world, the rabbis of the world, have so much to learn from the transitions of leadership that happen here. I don't want to set my student up for failure. That in my lifetime he was silent. And now that I'm not here, now he decided to get a voice. Give him a voice now. Upinchas, besodam em gimel, in Sotah, page 43, This is the Sanhedrin. On page Lamed Zayim, the top right, it teaches you that Pinchas was like all the rest of them, all together. They all received Torah from Moshe, and it doesn't mention Kalev. There is an interesting discussion in Masechet Nazir, where... It discusses why when rabbis are listing the, the lineage, the heritage, the Torah Shabbat Peh, transmission, they sometimes skip some steps. And the reason they say, you don't always have to mention all the rabbis in the middle. You mention the first one who said it, and the last one who you're mentioning, and everything in between, you can already fill in the blanks. It seems that Rabbeinu follows the language of Chachamim. Let's go back to the Rambam. Section Hey. And for Yoshua. That he is the student of Moshe Rabbeinu. We're on the top of the next page. He transmitted the Torah Shabbat Peh to him and commanded him about it. Some say, His whole life. Yoshua was studying the Torah Shabbat by heart. And many elders received the Torah from Yoshua. And Eli, remember Eli is already later in history, received from the elders and from Pinchas. I want to focus for a moment on this footnote, you'd bet. It's an important one. Because if you look at Pinchas, who's already living in the desert, and you're talking about Eli, who's in the Mishkan, there's a, a big gap of time here. So look at footnote Yudbet, on the bottom right. Katav Avodat HaMelech. The Avodat HaMelech writes, Ayen Abarbanen. Look in the writings of the Abarbanen. Be'agdamato la'avot, in his introduction to Avot. Shehirba lahasig al Rabbeinu baze. That he attacked Rabbeinu Rambam about writing this. Because in the book Seder Olam, it says about, it's a book of history, about the Zekerim, the elders, that they lived for 14 years after Yoshua. The elders, they lasted 14 years past Yoshua. And from that period until Shemuel, there's 400 years. It's a huge gap. Ubarur, it's clear, that the elders which the Rabbeinu HaRambam mentions here, 
they are the elders, not the elders in the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu, but they are the elders that exist in every generation. They're not the leftovers, the survivors from the generation of Moshe. Rather, they're the students of the students of the students of that generation. And the Meiri writes this in his introduction to Perkei Avot. Because over there again, remember at the beginning of Perkei Avot, you discuss Moshe Kibel Torah Misenai. And we discuss the oral transmission very briefly. Over there you have the same question. And so Rav Kapach is answering, based on Avodat HaMelech, Rabarbanel, and now the Meiri, that really this gap is not a gap. Rather, Rambam is using the word Zikinim to mean the elders who exist in every generation. Or in his generation. Pinchas lived a long life. We find Pinchas is still alive in the story of Pilegesh Begivan, the concubine in Giva. Look in Tanah Devele Rabbah, Perik Yudbet. By the way, I brought my Tanah Devele Rabbah. In Perik Yudbet, in chapter 12, there's nothing. But in chapter Yud Aleph, which must mean there's just a different numbering system, there's what to say about Pichas, and I want to do that with you now. But before I do that, if you remember the story of Pilegesh Begiva, which I don't want to go into right now, but I highly recommend that if you have a Tanakh, to go home, to look it up, and to cry a little bit. Because the whole story of the Pilegesh Begiva is a national tragedy for the Jewish people. The Jewish people get into a civil war. A civil war in which they do the most gruesome and evil of things. People have this attitude that once upon a time everything was roses, everything was beautiful, everything was flowers. But it wasn't always that way. And the problems that existed then are the same problems that exist today and that problem that's not solved will never go away. You can't bury problems. Problems that don't go away will come back to bite you somewhere else. And the problems, the lessons that we don't learn from Tanakh, that we don't learn from our Chachamim, those lessons that we ignore, we will pay the price again for those mistakes. So I wanted to read to you from Tanah de I attached to the Google Classroom an excerpt. I don't know if any of you have ever read the book Tanah de uh, I have an edition here that my brother Onen bought me. I wrote in Tafshin Samechei. He came to visit me when I was living in Israel. Uh, he bought me this book. I must have wanted it. And uh, on a yeshiva student budget, couldn't afford it. According to tradition, this book was written by Rabbanan in the Talmud, if I recall correctly, as a record of what he was taught by Eliyahu Navi. To what were the Jews compared in the days of the judges, the Shoftim, or the days when the judges judged? Like a, a king who bought many houses and many servants. And he had all these servants who were six years old, five years old, four year old, three year old, two year old, and a one year old. But this king loved them, so he raised them on his table. And they ate the same food the king ate. And they drank from the same drinks that the king drank. And they grew up and he built them homes. 
And he planted for them vineyards and orchards and gardens. And he told them, Just be careful on these gardens, on these, these things that I grew for you. Once they ate and they drank, they stood up, they destroyed the grapevines, and they destroyed the trees, and they trampled the gardens, and they broke the houses. When the king came and saw everything that they did, the, the disaster they created, in Hebrew, this word means he distanced himself from them. Amar, he said, They're like children, little school children. What can I do to them? He brought them and he hit them. And they did it a second time. And they did it a third time. And they did it a third time. This is the way the Jewish people appeared to HaKadosh Baruch in the days of the Shoftim. They would spoil, they would do things incorrectly, they would cause disaster, and HaKadosh Baruch would hand them over to other kings. When they did tshuva, Miyad Haya HaKadosh Baruch Hu Immediately at that moment, HaKadosh Baruch Hu saved them. To teach you, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu never took away money or anything from the Jewish people against the law. Everything was justified. Everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did to Israel was justified. Their actions caused him to distance himself from them. It's an interesting introduction to this. So bet is important. Everything here is important. I'm going to read the whole book to you. Let me. I came to talk about page one nineteen. Gimel. V'shem atomar. And if you would say, Otan shivim elef, those seventy thousand. that were killed on the Mount of Binyamin. What did they die in that civil war for? By the way, this whole story, the number of Shivim Elif, there's a footnote that says that really the Torah mentions uh, 65,000 and a little more. 70,000? There are different ways you can justify this number. But it's not the same exact number that you find in the Tanakh. These 70,000 who were murdered in Am Yisrael, why did they die? What happened that they deserve to die? How many times did our parents read these words to us? Because the Sanhedrin that Moshe and Yehoshua left behind, and Pinchas, the son of Elazar, was one of them. They should have girded their loins with iron. Iron belts, meaning to, to get their act together. They should lift their, their robes a little bit off the ground, meaning don't be afraid to get your feet dirty. And they should start traveling between all the cities of Israel. One day to Lachish. Yom Echad to Bet El. Yom Echad to Hebron. Yom Echad to Yerushalayim. 
they should travel from all the cities of Israel between each other. By the way, in many countries, I'm thinking of Morocco right now. I was learning again with my wife about one of the Chachamim in Morocco. Maybe Larachayim Kadosh, Maybe him or somebody in his lineage. You find often that there are rabbis of cities and rabbis of a region. Rav Ezo, a certain region. What it meant was there were a lot of little Jewish villages or towns. And this rabbi, he had a place where he lived. But he would travel. He would come to one village for a few days. And they would rejoice. They would come. They would make food. He would sit and learn with them Torah. And he would, whatever weddings need to happen, he would marry them, whatever. And then he would move to the next place. And whatever Brit Milah had to happen there, whatever. He would move from one city. And he would keep traveling and traveling throughout his whole region. His job was to take care of the people. They should teach the Jewish people derech eretz. The proper way to act. One year, two years, three years. Until the Jewish people are settled properly in their land. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be sanctified and exalted in all the worlds He created. From one end of the world until the next. But the Sanhedrin did not do that. When they came into their land, every single one of them, every one of them came to his vineyard and to his wine and to his field. Or maybe, Shalom Alaykh They all said, ha, I'm good, I'm happy, I'm taken care of. Who cares about everybody else? They didn't want to work too hard. But if he didn't write it here, I would never say such a thing. Laziness. They were happy. They were fed. They were taken care of. Why do they have to work hard? This is what our rabbis meant when they said in the Mishnah, You should stop working so much and they will spend time studying Torah. And you should be humble before everybody. And if you don't do something in the Torah, there's much more that you didn't do. And when the children of Binyamin, the tribe of Binyamin, did things that were ugly and improper, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted that moment to destroy the whole world. Says HaKadosh Baruch the only reason I gave these people this country of Israel is they should sit and they should read and they should learn, they should study all the areas of the Torah, everyone in the right place in the right time, and they should study their Eretz. Proper midot of how they should act. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu says HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lo kach katavti betorati is not what I wrote in my Torah Afalpi she'en behem Yisrael divrei Torah ila derech eret binvad yikuyam behem Yisrael akatuv v'radfu mikem chamisha me'a u'me'a mikem revai yirdofu I said in my Torah that even if the Jews don't keep Torah or mitzvot but they keep the Torah derech eret of proper character traits listen carefully all those who hate my brothers and sisters around the world those preachers even if they don't keep all of the Divrei Torah, but they keep all of Derech Eretz, HaKadosh Hu promises them that we are going to be able to drive away our enemies. 
אבל אם תעשו את התורה והמצוות, אחד מכם ירדוף אלף, ולבידו תורה ומצוות, one of you could chase away a thousand people. ושניים מכם יניסו רבבה, and two of you can run away a whole army, שנאמר. לפיכך בגבעת בנימין, because of that mountain of בנימין, שלא היו עוסקים בתורה ובדרך ארץ, they did not study תורה and דרך ארץ, נתקבצו ויצאו למלחמה, they went out to war, ונהרגו בהם שבעים אלף, and they died seventy thousand. ומי הרג את כל אלה? And who killed all of them? הווה אומר, you should say, לא הרג אותם, אלא הסנהדרי גדולה שהניח משה ויהושע ופנחס בן אלעזר. The murderers of the Jewish people were not the enemies at war. The murderers of the Jewish people were the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin that Moshe and Yehoshu left, the Sanhedrin which was under the leadership of Pinchas ben Azar ben Aaron HaKohen. Why? Because they weren't willing to get their hands dirty on behalf of the Jewish people. I don't know what else I need to say. We have an obligation to do what we can to improve the world, to improve society, to improve our own people, to improve our own kihilah, to take care of everyone that we possibly can, to influence whoever we possibly can, to be better people. And when we don't do that, it's not just that we're apathetic. This apathy that we have leads the world to chaos, to crisis. We become responsible for the disaster that happens in the world. Why? Because we could have done something. And we didn't do it. There's a story in the Gemara I want to read you. This one is the Midrash Tanchuman. The Midrash says, Vela Mishpatim, and these are the laws. I'm reading now to you from Arab Peretz's book, Ochot Arab Kilat. Ze Shamar Katuv, Melech Bemishpat Yamid Aretz, Vish Turmot Yarsena. מלכה של תורה במשפט שהוא שם את הארץ, ואיש תרומות ארצנו, אם מסיח אדם עצמו כי תרומה הזו שמושלכת בזווית הבית, if a person makes himself like this תרומה, which is on the side of the house, ואומר, מה לי בתורך הציבור? Versus, why do I have to deal with the problems of the community? מה לי בדיניהם? Why do I have to get involved in their fights, in their arguments, in their דין, their judge disputes, their financial matters, their arbitrating between them, mediating between them? Why do I even have to hear their voices? Shalom nafshi. I'm happy. I don't have to deal with them. He is a person who destroys the world, says the Midrash. Why get your hands dirty with people? Somebody once gave me advice a long time ago. Before I was a rabbi, it was time to be a rabbi. They told me, don't work with people. People will disappoint you. People will backstab you. People will speak Lashon Hara about you. People will uh, fight against you. So just, just work with a computer. Work in sales. Work in Radio Shack. Work, work with a, anything in the world. A computer is never going to yell at you. 
It's never going to be upset at you. It's never going to say you forgot to call me in my anniversary or you didn't remember my kids' bar mitzvah. I'm never going to do any of that to you. It's not going to tell you how much they donated and you forgot about them. It's not going to tell you about how you teach and how you don't teach. The computer is never going to find you. The decision to cleanse our hands of the society's ills and problems, of people's problems, of the community's problems, is precisely what destroys the world. There's a story about Rabbi that he was about to die. His nephew came to him, his sister's son. He saw him crying. He says, Rabbi, why are you crying? Is there any Torah which you do not study? Is there any Torah which you do not teach? Rabbi, look, all of your students are sitting here with you. Is there any act of kindness you didn't do? You gave tzedakah. You helped orphans. You helped the widows. You helped everybody. And of all the character traits, the best one of yours, you stayed away from arguments, from disputes between people. You never allowed yourself to be in a position of authority over people. You never got yourself involved in politics of a community. He tells him, my son, that's precisely why I'm crying. Because maybe once I die, I'll have to give judgment before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because maybe, maybe I could have made a difference between people in those positions of authority over the community. And I didn't. Because I didn't want to get involved. So I taught Torah. So I learned Torah. So I have many students. But I didn't want to get involved. The problems, I didn't want to deal with them. You think it's a good thing? That I was so nice, that everyone loved? You think that's a great, that's wonderful. But that's precisely why I'm worried. I'm scared of that. We mentioned Pinchas. Pinchas living all the way into the generation of the Pilegish Begivah. And I felt, how could we speak about that and not speak about this? And I want to think about it. Sometimes we look and we think we've done enough. We've made a difference enough. We've spoken up enough. We teach enough Torah. We do enough things. But it's never enough. So long as you have more energy to do more, so long as you have the ability to influence more, so long as you have the energy to give more, don't stop. Don't stop. Because we're not just judged for what we gave, but we also have to give an accounting for what it is that we could have given and we chose not to. When I look at the books that we're reading, the Rambam, the Shulchan Aruch, Avkapach's life work, I look at all the shiurim that we have, the people that reach out, the places we want to go, the desire of everyone in Akilah to grow, and we're so proud of what we've accomplished. 
But there's a flip side to that. If the Rambam would have been proud with what he printed the first time, he never would have given us the rest of his books. If Maran was happy with the Kesef of Mishneh, we wouldn't have a Bet Yosef. If he was happy with the Bet Yosef, we would never have a Shulchan Aruch. If Av Kapach was happy printing other people's books, he would have never written his own commentary on the Rambam's books. Then where would we be? If we say, we've done enough, it's okay, now take a break. This attitude of taking a break, it's not in our lexicon. It shouldn't be part of Am Yisrael's vocabulary. We don't take breaks. We don't want to be responsible for the problems of society because we took a break. Because we weren't watching. Because we weren't there when we were supposed to be there. Because we didn't speak up when we were supposed to speak up. May HaKadosh will bless us that we should be there for the things we need to be there for and we shouldn't miss out on the opportunities that are sitting right before us and we simply think that we're not responsible for because the Jewish people have an obligation towards each other and we in turn have an obligation to take care of the rest of the world even when the rest of the world doesn't know that it needs someone to take care of them.